Psalm 119. I'm going to begin reading in verse 161. And I invite you to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we read together Psalm 119, beginning in verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord. Your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. And let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. For I do not forget your commandments. You may be seated. The psalmist begins these last two sections in a time of trouble. He is dealing with the hardship of persecution. In fact, he says that princes, so those in authority over him, are persecuting him without cause. He's not done anything. He is seemingly not deserving of this persecution and this hardship that he is facing. And yet it's coming. He does not deserve it. He has not done anything to earn the persecution and the pain that is coming to him from someone in authority. But nonetheless, it is coming. He is going to deal with these hardships of life. He has no choice but to deal with them. We often find ourselves in the same boat. We often, as we're going through life, we have to deal with hardships that we, at least from our perspective, do not deserve. Hardships that we did not bring upon ourselves but hardships that are the doing of someone else. Many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world have to deal with this very hardship. 
they have someone who is in authority over them, and they're persecuting them because of their faith. They're persecuting them without cause. Whether it be someone in their family or someone in some type of government over them, they're being persecuted without cause. They're dealing with hardship. They deal with hardship. We deal with hardship. Because we live in a fallen world, we understand that hardship and pain and persecution will come. But how are we to respond? How are we to respond Knowing that we are the children of God and the followers of God, how do we respond to hardship and persecution and difficulty in our own life? Most people fall apart. Most people get angry. They get angry at whatever is causing them pain. They get angry at whatever is causing them suffering. They get angry or they try to get even at whoever is causing them hardship. That's how most people function. But that is not how we are called to function as followers of Christ. That is not how we are called to function as those who are followers and children of God. How do we respond to life's hardships? And then when we get to the end, how do we pray in hardship? So how do we respond? I want to kind of just throw these things out there for you to consider this morning. The psalmist responds to hardship. We, we know that beginning in verse 161. He talks about persecution. He talks about hardships and dealing with hardships that he does not deserve. But he has the transitional word there in 161 when he says, but my heart stands in all of your words. So he's dealing with something but he's going to respond in a way that is unusual. And yet for us as believers, it should be the usual response. So let's look at these first in 161. He's in all of God's words. He says, princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in all of your words. So the persecution is happening, the hardship is happening in the life of the psalmist, and his response, which, which is, is shocking to a world that's watching, is that he stands in awe of God's words, his heart. His heart is not brought down because of persecution and hardship. He, he's not brought down to his knees, he's not taken out of life, he doesn't give up, but instead his heart... His heart stands before God in awe of what God has said. Now you would think that most people would be in awe of whatever this prince, whatever this leader, whatever this authority has to say over him. This authority might be the type or would be the type where when someone speaks 
Or when they speak, everyone listens. When the authority, when the prince speaks, everyone listens at what he has to say. But, but instead, for the psalmist, his heart is standing before God and he is in awe of what God has said. He truly understands that God and His words are awesome. When you and I face hardship in our life, our heart should consider what God has said and we should be in awe. We should be blown away. We should be shocked and excited about what God has said in response to what the world tries to say to us. When the world tries to condemn us or tear us down or cause additional hardship for us, our heart goes back to the words that God has said, His promises that are true, His commandments that are just, and we are in all of what he has said we truly understand that we stand before an awesome god who has said and done great things we're in awe of his words and the awe of his words calls us to rejoice his heart stands in awe of your words, verse 161, then verse 162, I rejoice at your word like one who finds a great spoil. He has found a great treasure and so he rejoices. The intention of the one who is persecuting him and bringing him down and tearing him down is that he would be broken but instead of being broken and tormented, he is rejoicing. Why? Because of his circumstances? No. He's rejoicing because of what God has said. He knows when he looks at and remembers and meditates upon what God has said, he is like one who has found a great treasure. He has found something greater than the persecution that is coming against him. Is that where we find ourselves? When we go through hardships and difficulties, can we turn back to God's Word, open God's Word, read God's Word, consider God's Word, and rejoice? Or do we allow the circumstances around us to dictate how we feel and what we do? So many people live their entire life simply responding to the circumstances around them. Each and every day is simply about responding to the circumstances. Responding to the circumstances. Friends, we cannot live day by day in response to the circumstances. The psalmist rejoices at the word of God. He is not brought down by the circumstances. How do we respond? We're in awe of God's word. We rejoice. Look at verse 163. He says, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. What was the persecution against the psalmist? We don't know what kind of persecution it was. We don't even know what the accusation was 
that this prince or princess had made. But what do we know about it? It was without cause, right? There wasn't a reason. He hadn't done anything to bring about this persecution. And so it was false. Whatever was being said about him, whatever was being done was false. It was untrue. It was a lie. And because it was false, it should be rejected. And yet it is the charge that is brought against him. And so what is his response? He gets angry, right? He tries to get even, right? He seeks vengeance, correct? No, that's not what he does. He says, I hate that which is false. In fact, he says, I hate and abhor it. But I love your law. Instead of focusing on what is not true, instead of focusing what is false and attempting to defend himself against what is false, what does he do? He simply loves what is true. He continues to focus in his life on what is true, not what is false. He rejects what is false. He wants nothing to do with what is false. He wants to focus and love what is true. We spend so much time focused on what is false, and yet we don't spend time focused on what is true. Again, and I've used this example before, it's like the person who's trying to find what currency is true and what currency is fake, false, counterfeit. What do you do? You look at the real thing. You look at the true thing. You know the true thing front and back. You know every aspect of what is true. And then it becomes very easy to recognize and reject what is false. We as believers in Christ need to love what is true, what God has said, what He has labeled correct. To know it so that any time we see something else, we completely reject it outright. I began, uh, I try to avoid social media discussions because they are unproductive and only continue to prove that total depravity of humanity is an absolute doctrine that cannot be disputed. Social media is great at doing just that. And so someone was, was just bashing a certain aspect of theology and I began to look through this person's social media page and they were promoting sin shamelessly. And so I asked them about it. And they said, well, Jesus never said this was wrong. And when you hear someone say that, that sounds really good, right? Jesus never said this is wrong. Now, it didn't matter the thing they were talking about. Scripture says it's wrong from beginning to end. But they never found Jesus teach on this particular niche of their subject. And so they tried to take that and say, well, this is, this is what it is. But see, I've heard that argument before. And, and I know when we talk about Scripture that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And all Scripture is profitable and useful. And so when, when I saw this person ignoring almost all of Scripture, because they couldn't find it in a few words in their Bible written in red. 
I knew enough about what is true to immediately recognize something that is false. It's false. It's false to say, well, I don't see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so it must be okay. I can ignore the rest of the New Testament because I didn't see Jesus teach about it in the Sermon on the Mount, or I didn't see Jesus teach about it in this sermon with his disciples, so it must be okay. Friends, when you recognize what is true, that all Scripture is breathed out by God, when you see someone ignoring some of the Scripture, it immediately raises a red flag to you. Because you know what's true versus what someone is just trying to make up. The psalmist hates what is false. He abhors it, but he loves God's law. And so when we're going through difficulties, what we do is we maintain our love for God's law. That's how we respond. Stuff that's false, we want nothing to do with it. We want it away from us. False accusations, false charges, false teaching, we want it away from us. And we want to love and hold on to God's law. Next, look, he says, verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. How do we respond to hardship? We praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Seven times a day. Remember, he is being persecuted without cause, and yet seven times a day he praises the Lord and the Lord's righteous rules. That praise gives him peace, we see in 165. Nothing can make the one who praises the Lord stumble. We praise the Lord in hardship. Friends, we sometimes live as if there is no hope. We'll claim that we follow Christ and yet somehow still live as if there is no hope. How is that possible? I'm not talking about in a moment of difficulty. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about we will orient our life as if there is no hope even though we say we know the one who is hope. The psalmist is going through this persecution, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, and he says, I will praise the Lord seven times a day because I know that those who praise the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, they will have peace. The one who runs from the Lord, the one who doesn't trust in the Lord, there is no peace for that person. The one who rejects the Lord, there is no peace. The one who spreads falsehood, there is no peace. The one who persecutes God's people, there is no peace. But for the one who rejoices in the Lord, there is peace. And nothing can make them stumble, he says. Friends, I wonder as you go through hardships and difficulty, is your your mindset, is the focus of your life, the way you orient your life, is it around praising God even in the midst of hardship and trials? Friends, you want to be a better witness in your job, in your school, in your community? Praise the Lord in the midst of hardship. See if that doesn't set you apart from everyone else. How are you going to face this little storm that we're having outside? This is a small one, and it's not a metaphorical storm. This is a real storm. It is raining outside. There is wind, you know. Say you get back home and a tree fell on your house. 
Aren't you glad we had church? You didn't get hit by the tree? So you were here. How do you face that? You go back home, your house has been destroyed by a tree. How do you face that when you go back to work? Is the world crashing in on you? Your house got knocked down. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with it if the power's out for a few days? Are we like what I saw on Facebook where you got to make a list of the things that you love about your family because after a few days with the power out, you're not going to love them very much anymore? I can understand that. There's nine people live in my house. Trust me, the power's out for a few days. You will see my kids out on the playground in the rain. It's for all our sanity. How do we deal? These are small things. You say, my house, a tree on my house would not be a small thing. In the scheme of history and humanity, it's a small thing. How do we deal with the small things? Because if we praise God in the small things, it will become increasingly easier to praise Him in the larger things, in the more difficult times, in the real hardships. I hope none of us have a tree fall on our house in a storm. I hope none of us deal with power out for multiple days and what that goes through. But how do we deal with those small things? The psalmist, as he's dealing with this persecution, he says, I will praise the Lord. That's where peace is. Those who follow him, those who rejoice, have peace, and they stand firm, and nothing causes them to stumble. Is that you in the midst of the Real storms and the metaphorical storms in life. Are you praising the Lord, rejoicing in His goodness, the goodness of His Word? Next, we have all of the words of the Lord, rejoicing, loving, the law of the Lord, praising the Lord, hope. He says hope. Next, we hope in the Lord. 166, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. So he's in the midst of this persecution, and he's hoping in the Lord. He's, he's hoping that the Lord is going to save him. That's his hope. That's where his eyes are fixed. That's where his mind is fixed. And, and you know what he does as he's waiting? He says, I do your commandments. I'm hoping for your salvation. I'm, I'm waiting for your salvation. I'm longing for your salvation from this. And while I'm hoping and longing and waiting, I'm going to do what you have told me to do. Friends, he doesn't say, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in the Lord, but I'm going to do it on my own until he gets here. I'm hoping on the Lord. I'm, I'm hoping in the Lord. I'm hoping He's going to save me from this hardship. But, but until then, I'm going to try to defeat this, this persecution on my own. I'm, I'm hoping for His salvation, but over here, you know, I think if I, if I had this dirt on this prince that's persecuting me, or if I, if, I, if I did this, or I went this certain way, I might could avoid this persecution or this hardship. I might be able to, to turn the tables on this. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, on one hand, I'm hoping for the Lord's salvation, and on the other, I'm doing His commandments while I'm waiting. Friends, if your hope is in the Lord, you will be obedient to Him as you wait for Him. We're seeing this, this 
push in our culture and even in our church culture that, that we, we hope in the Lord and we believe He's going to do certain things over here, but over here we're going to kind of do it our own way until He does. God, I want you to act, but if you're not going to act, I'm going to do something on my own. And, and you know what this something ends up being is a rejection of God's commands, not wait. Friends, we wait on Him We hope in His salvation, but we are obedient to Him while we are waiting. We guard our hearts and we guard our minds as we wait on Him. He says, I keep, verse 167, your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. As he hopes in the Lord, as he waits on the Lord, he is obedient to the Lord. Friends, if the Lord tells you to wait on something for the rest of your life, your obligation is to obey him as you wait. If you're really hoping in Him, for His salvation, for His way to be revealed, you obey Him until He makes it happen. Friends, it does us no good to get out ahead of the Lord. It does us no good to try and to do it on our own. When we say we're waiting and hoping. So that's what we do. So how do we pray? Because we can always pray, right? We can always pray in the midst of hardships and difficulties and persecution. We can always pray. Well, what does the psalmist pray? Look in verse 169 as we go into that second section. He prays four things. He says, give me understanding. He says, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. So he's crying out before the Lord. He's going through this persecution. He's going through this hardship. And he cries out to the Lord, God, give me understanding. I want to understand your ways. Look what he says, according to your word. Now we live in this really strange time in the church where people are crying out to the Lord. They, they kind of just cry out. God, God, show me what to do. God, just speak to me. I mean, people cry, you know, God, speak to me. And then some of these people will come back and they'll say, the Lord spoke to me. And they'll tell you these crazy things that the Lord said. And the Lord told them to do this and the Lord told them to do that. And what's amazing is, it seems more and more the Lord is telling them to do things that are wrong. Have you noticed that? The Lord is telling them to do things that are wrong. I'm not saying, you know, they said the Lord told them to turn left and they really needed to turn right. They're saying the Lord told them to do things that are sinful. The Lord told them, it's all right to take that money. The Lord told them, it it was all right to leave their spouse. The grass is greener on the other side. 
The Lord told them it was, they didn't need to be engaged with other believers. They could do their faith on their own. They could just walk out and do it on their own. They didn't need other Christians. The Lord told them they weren't accountable for their actions. Friends, the Lord didn't tell them any of that stuff. When the psalmist cries out to the Lord and he says, let my cry come before you, O Lord, give me understanding according to your word. Where does God speak to us? Friends, it's right here. And you've probably heard me say this a million times, but until you have covered this book from beginning to end, and you understand everything the Lord is telling you in His Word, you don't need to go somewhere else. Friends, when you can come before God's Word, pick it up and go to any place and understand exactly everything fully that God is telling you through His Word, then, then, by all means, cry out before the Lord to give you understanding apart from His Word. But until that moment, may I suggest that you come back to His Word that does not change? That is the same yesterday, today, forever his word that has been breathed out by him and is profitable for us from beginning to end all of it now he uses his spirit to give us understanding as we come to his word but friends we do not need to ask him to speak to us outside of his word it's not necessary. Because, friends, it would be a secondary revelation from God that we don't need. And what ends up happening is when people constantly come back and they, wanna, they don't want to listen to what God has said. They want God to say something new to them or something fresh. It's amazing how often God begins to look more like us and less like God when He speaks outside of His Word. And it's phenomenal that these people that say God spoke to them often get what they really wanted anyhow. It's amazing how God just changes just for them. Friends, when we're going through hardship and we cry out and pray to God, we should say, God, give me understanding according to your word. God, help me to know you more through your word. Help me to understand you more through your word. Help me to, to know you more, who you are, and what you want for my life from your word. But friends, we'll use that as a cop-out in a second. You know, I need to go seek the Lord's will for my life. Friends, it's right here. It's right here. It's not some abstract thought out there in the universe that we need to go find. Friends, He has given us His Word. And we should cry out for understanding. Look at the second thing He prays in hardship. He says in verse 170, Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your Word. 
And then interesting, he comes back to that. So Lord, give me understanding. I want to know what's going on in this circumstance that I am facing according to your word. And then the other is, God, deliver me from this circumstance according to your word. Does God promise in his word he's going to deliver us from every circumstance? He doesn't, right? He doesn't deliver us from every circumstance. He doesn't deliver us from a lot of circumstances. And he didn't promise to. Now you can probably go find a preacher on television this morning that would tell you that God has promised to deliver you from every circumstance. And you can believe that. You'll just be more disappointed. He has not promised us that. But he also, as we pray for understanding... He encourages us to pray for deliverance according to His Word. And friends, sometimes He does deliver us. He, uh, he does deliver us from hardship. He, he does deliver us from suffering. But He doesn't always do so. And when we seek after understanding and deliverance according to His Word, friends, we understand better than why He sometimes delivers us and sometimes does not deliver us. We stand with those men who were thrown into the furnace who say, God may deliver us and He may not, but either way, we're going to be faithful to Him. And friends, in some circumstances, He delivers from those trials and in others, He does not. And yet, we know that if we belong to Him, if He does not deliver us in this life from those trials, He does deliver us in eternity from the trials and difficulties of life. There is deliverance one way or the other. Which brings us to the third prayer in verse 171. Teach me. Give me understanding according to your word. Deliver me according to your word. And then 171, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. I've attempted for five and a half years now to teach you God's word. It's like my number one goal and calling. The reason... I preach the way I do. The reason we have Bible studies the way we do is because I want you to know God's Word. Why? Why would it be so important to steer away from all of these topics and all of these social things that we can get into and cover God's Word? It's because in the end, God's Word is what transforms us. God's Word is what is enough in those difficulties and trials, in those hardships. The author of this psalm, he wants understanding and he wants to be delivered, but what brings praise to his lips is learning about the things of God. Because when we understand who God is, what God has done, and what God wants for us, it prepares us better than anything else 
to be ready in those times of hardships and difficulties. It prepares us better than anything else to be ready for the storms in life, whether they are real storms or metaphorical storms. When we know God's Word, we are prepared to go into the battle that is life and fight a good fight. And finish our race well. But only when we know God's Word. When we know some stories and when we know some themes, it's one thing. But when we know what God has said, when we can go back to the promises of God, we then are ready for the life that is before us. And that's why we will continue to study through God's Word. And when we have covered every verse, we will start again. Because God's Word is what we need to know. It is the desire. And so in the hardship that he is going through, the psalmist stands before the people. He stands before God and he says, teach me your statutes. I want to praise you. I will praise you when I know what you have said. I can face those hardships with praise on my lips. He longs for God's salvation. He longs for a hand from the Lord that is ready to help. He sings the praises of the Lord. And he makes a fourth prayer. Verse 176. He says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant." For I do not forget your commandment. Now think about this. As we, as we have read all of these verses up until this one, we would really see this psalmist, understand this psalmist as a faithful man. He's been faithful. He's been faithful to follow the Lord's commandments. He's been faithful to sing praise in the midst of hardship. But he gets to this last verse as he is finishing up this psalm that has been so many verses, the longest of all the psalms in Scripture. And he says, I am like a lost sheep. Seek after me. That's the fourth prayer in hardship. We, we desire understanding and deliverance. We, we want to be taught by the Lord. But, but this fourth prayer is that the Lord would seek us. We pray that the Lord would seek us. As righteous as he seems to be, as godly as this psalmist seems to be, his desire is that the Lord would seek after him. God, despite all of this, despite my obedience, even as part of my obedience in one, this last verse, He says, Lord, seek after me. I'm like a lost sheep. I don't know the way. I don't know the way back home. God, seek after me. Friends, do you pray that in the midst of your trial? You say, God, even as I wander, God, even as I run far from you sometimes, God, even if I do run from you today, God, would you seek 
after me. God, as I am wayward and sinful, would you seek after me? Friends, the good news for us is that the Lord has answered this prayer. The Lord seeks after His people. Even when we don't listen very well, even when we are in the midst of persecution, even when we are weathering storms in life, God has sought after us. Even though we are sinful and have fled from Him, have abandoned truth, even though we do not abhor falsehood and hate it as we should, but instead often embrace falsehood and love darkness, God has pursued us. He knew that we were lost sheep. And God sent His Son to pursue His lost sheep. Many of us who could not claim that we have been as good at following God's law as this psalmist has claimed. Many of us that would openly admit that we have not kept the law of the Lord. We have not kept His precepts and testimonies. We have not loved them exceedingly. That God's ways have not always been before us. And yet, God sent His Son to pursue us. Friends, if you have run far away from God, He has sent His Son to pursue you. He sent His Son who was perfect in every way, who was obedient in every way, who loved God in every way, who is the perfect image of the Father. He sent His Son to pursue you. Would you admit to Him today that you have gone astray and that you're in need of a Savior? See, what this psalm describes is not only our prayer toward Him and our obedience toward Him, but we see the goodness of God that He would answer these prayers, that He would bless these endeavors. He has loved us enough that He sent His Son to make it possible for us to cry out to Him in our hardship. He has sent His Son to make it possible for us to love His Word and hear from God. Friends, if this morning you do not know Him, today is the day to turn away from your wandering away from Him, from your running, and follow Christ. Some of you have run your entire life. You have heard this message time and time and time again. You have heard that you should do this and should do that, but you have never turned to the only one who makes it possible. Today is the day to turn to Christ who lived a perfect life, who died a death of redemption and salvation for you. Because the reality is that one day God will judge. He will judge those who persecute. He will judge those who spread falsehood. And they will be told to depart from Him and depart forever. 
but those who follow him have a promised eternity with him forever. If you've never followed him, today is the day to do so. Friends, if you are a believer, and I know most of you are here this morning, you have followed Christ. Friends, here is how we respond to hardship. Because we belong to Christ, this is how we respond when difficulties come in our life. Our heart is attuned to God. We praise Him in the midst of those difficulties. We cry out to Him for deliverance, but we do so within the context of our obedience to His Word. Friends, if you're going through that difficulty now, would you cry out to Him? Would you follow Him? Would you seek deliverance and understanding all the while obeying what He has called you to do? Will you stand in awe of the presence of God instead of broken in the presence of your difficulties? Friends, He loves us and He has called us to respond as people of hope to the difficulties that we encounter. To turn to His Word and find our hope there. Friends, as you walk through difficulties in your life, is your hope in the Lord? Because He's the only place where hope can be found. We bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace and love. God, we pray that as we go from this place this morning, that we would go trusting in you, that we would go following you and knowing, God, of the great love you have given us in Christ. Friends, our hope is not here. And Lord, I pray that you would make that clear this morning for each person. God, would you work in our midst? God, would you speak to those who are hurting? And remind them of the hope that can only be found in you. God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing a final song this morning. If you've never followed Christ, today is the day to do so. Not later, not tomorrow, but now as His Word calls out to you to respond. Friends, if you do belong to Christ and you've been going through a hardship, but you've not been going through it in the way that we've been called to go, Would you cry out to the Lord to encourage your heart this morning? To remind you of His goodness. To point you toward His grace. And God, to help you. That God would just help you as you go. Will you respond to God's Word this morning as we sing together? It's page 330 in the hymnal if you need. Need words for amazing grace.